This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. I'm so excited. We have Brother Chris Dillingham with us, incredible minister, an exceptional man of God, very excited. Uh, Brother Dillingham, why don't you tell our listeners uh, just a bit about yourself, uh, where you're from in your ministry, and what's going on in, in your world. Absolutely, man. Well, first of all, Brandon, thank you for having me on. I certainly appreciate uh, this opportunity to be with you, and I appreciate what you're doing. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, my name is Chris Dillingham. I'm the senior pastor at First Apostolic Church of Toledo. Uh, coming up on, uh, ju- actually just finished ninth year of being pastor here at this great church, um, following in the footsteps of great leader Bishop Jordan, Mark Jordan, and Brother Fred Kinsey. So a very, uh, uh, a church very rich in heritage. And uh, which is pretty, pretty interesting for me because I wasn't raised in church. And so it's, it's kind of a, an amazing thing to see where the Lord had brought me from, uh, you know, to, to be able to do this, uh, cut my teeth in church planning, help start a church with my father-in-law in Champaign, Illinois, uh, all the way back in 1994, coming out of Indiana Bible College. Wow. Um, yeah, so, so did that for several years, worked in the corporate world, had some opportunities in the corporate world. We just felt God calling us a different direction and ended up uh, going on the evangelistic field for, for almost seven years. And, uh, and then after, after those seven years, we ended up here in Toledo and thankful for what God has done and thankful for what he's doing right now. That's very exciting. Uh, that's, that's incredible. So is that, is that in Toledo, Ohio? Correct. Yep. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I uh, I actually have I have some old old cassettes uh, from Toledo, Ohio. Uh, really interesting. Yes, yes uh, goodness. I'd, I'd have to look see if I can't find them. But uh, well, that's <laughs> awesome. You know what's interesting is when I was in Indiana Bible College, my first roommate Matt Rodriguez was actually out of this church in Toledo, and I guarantee you, neither one of us ever dreamed that I would end up here. So it's kind of a, <laughs> kind of an amazing thing how it all happened. But, uh, you know, just, just again, just abundantly blessed more than I deserve for sure. God, God is good. He's good. He's good to us. And, you know, when, when exactly. we, when we can commit our lives to him, you know, the doors that he opens, the opportunities that he brings. And, you know, I, I posted on, on Twitter recently, I said, if God opens the door, you might as well walk through it. <laughs> Exactly right. Well, one of my favorite scriptures says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. And, you know, I just try to, I want to live my life God's way so that it pleases him. And, you know, it's not always been, not always been the easy road, but absolutely the most fulfilling and, and without a question, the best road. Amen. So... We've got you on the podcast, and uh, it's my understanding uh, what we're going to talk about today is a little bit about uh, discipleship culture, and sure. uh, and and you know building um, that within uh, you know local churches uh, and, and the importance of that. Um, so why don't you just share your just take your liberty and share your heart with us. 
Okay, awesome, man. I really appreciate this. And this is this is my passion. This is my heartbeat. Again, I wasn't wasn't raised in church. Um, you know, God God delivered my alcoholic stepfather. Um, you know, my mom and him were about ready to get a divorce. And uh God God radically changed his life. And to be honest with you, I really wanted nothing to do with Pentecost. I I, I was pretty freaked out by all the worship and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, but I watched the radical transformation that, that my father-in-law or my stepfather rather experienced. And, and as I watched that, I couldn't help but just feel that what I was missing in my life, God had for me. And so I experienced that transformation in my own life. And, and when that happened, God put something in me that I just, I, I wanted to reach my world. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do, but it's been my burning, driving passion uh, since that moment to uh, share with everybody else the, the opportunity that God has given to us to experience the greatest experience in the, in the world, and that's to be born again of water and of spirit. And so, man, just outreach efforts and going on, you know, missions trips, local missions trips, not abroad, but local and, and that kind of stuff. And so it's always been kind of a passion of mine. So I just, I, I just want to share with you a little bit about my story and then kind of a little bit of what we do with, with discipleship and the culture that we're trying to build here in Toledo. Uh, so I came here in 2012, the end of 2012, for a little interim period to see if it was a fit for me and a fit for the church. And in our first three years, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a low end because I don't know the numbers exactly off the top of my head, and I don't want to I don't want to exaggerate. But in, in the first three years of me being here in Toledo, we had over a thousand people filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name in a three year period. And um, you know, it was it it was it was amazing. We saw miraculous things take place. God did it, some amazing things. But at the end of that three years, uh, I just had kind of this this gnawing feeling that there was something was missing. And, you know, you have that many people filled with the Holy Ghost, that many people baptized. I've always been told, you know, that that if that if, if you have that kind of culture and environment, then you're going to grow. Your church is going to grow and whatever. And while our church did grow, we didn't see the kind of growth that um, I felt like we should be seeing. And it actually started demoralizing our church because they were looking at people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, we, we just became, you know, massively effective at praying people through and getting them baptized. And then they'd never come back. And I couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. And my brother and I kind of in the same place, he was experiencing a lot of the same thing. And so there was just kind of this frustration. The other thing I knew was that what we were doing was not sustainable. What we had to do to keep that machine rolling and keep it moving, there's no way that we could continue to do that. And so my brother and I uh, ended up going to Exponential Conference, which is, a, is the largest church planning conference in, in the world. And we went to this conference just to kind of like get away for a minute just see, you know, what's going on out there. Our our vision was to launch churches and and trying to figure it all out. We we had started actually. With that, I'll back up just a little bit. We had started an inner city campus, and I saw the massive uh, financial and human resources that were required to get that going and get that started. And I started looking at my own life and thinking, man, if I'm really really good at this, I might be able to do that 
you know, maybe three, maybe four more times before, you know, before my time is up. And, you know, when I look at a population Toledo Metro of 653,000 people, that's just not good enough. And so started really searching for some answers and uh, we went to this conference and we walked into a breakout session with a man, man by the name of Dan Greider. And the first words out of his mouth were the reason the American church is not seeing multiplication revival is because it's not apostolic. And wow. our ears, our ears perked up and we're like, Whoa, what? And so he started talking. He probably said, he probably said a reference to being apostolic probably 30 times in that little session. And when we started to leave, he, he pulled me and my brother and our wives aside. He said, you guys are apostolic, aren't you? And we said, yep, we are. And he said, I could tell it when you walked in. He said, I'd love to connect with you guys. And so we started connecting with Dan. Dan wrote a book called Starfish Movement. I, I recommend it for anybody, you know, um, who's, who's, who's wanting to be missional. Um, long story short, it started us on this journey that the piece that we were missing, we had, we had found or, or had the ability to get people to the church, to pray people through, uh, to get them baptized in Jesus name. But what we were missing was not a program. It wasn't, this is how you do church or whatever. Cause we were having great services. We were having great church. All of those things were, were just fine. What we did not have was we did not have an apostolic culture when it comes to discipleship. We had the doctrine, we had the demonstration, but we didn't have discipleship. And so we started on this journey. And I know discipleship has become kind of a, uh, you know, a buzzword. A lot of people are talking about it, but discipleship is not a program. It's a culture. It's a culture of your people. And so we started on this journey of, of, of developing a culture of disciples that make disciples that make disciples which in turn will hopefully uh, uh, would hopefully lead us to being a church that plants churches that plants churches. And so um, I just, I just kind of share with you a little bit, something that my brother and I developed, I, I give you, you know, 30,000 foot view, but in this journey and the things that we learned, we developed something called the map to multiplication. And um, so there, there's really four key components to that. So, the, the American church is what we call an attractional model church, which basically says we're going to do church really good. We're going to get all the, you know, all the greatest technology and all the great things and lights and all the things. And I'm not, I'm not against any of that. We do that. But, but they basically say we're going to do church better than anybody else. And hopefully that will draw people into, uh, into the church. And then our, our job is to find people that can be volunteers and stick them into roles so they can volunteer to keep the machine going. They become a cog in the machine. And what we found was that actually produces what we call the, the first component of the max multiplication is members. And, you know, so members, you know, is, is kind of this mindset, this attitude of kind of I pay my dues, which is my time, my energy, my financial resources, and then I expect you to give something back to me. So it produces kind of this consumeristic culture, which is where you get people that are like, hey, I don't like the music, so I'm going to go find me a better church, or I don't like this program, the youth program, so I'm going to go find me a better youth program, or, you know, the, the temperature's not right in the church, so I'm going to go find me another place. It produces this consumeristic mentality. And so what we found was this, the first step in the, in, in the journey to multiplication 
is you have to take people from being members to being mobilized, which is getting us into our world. And the process by which that happens is is the first you know first step of this that I think we often miss. And this is I'm super passionate about this because I, I, if you ask a lot of people in church, most people will tell you that they were never personally discipled. Um, you know, our, our discipleship model basically was it. And, and I don't, I, I know some people sometimes take this wrong when I say this, and I don't, I don't mean it that way, but it's, it's kind of like an indoctrination class. So it's basically, we're going to send you, send, sit you in an eight to 12 week, 16 week, 20 week class and tell you, these are the right things that you should believe. And here's why. And those things are good. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think it does a couple of things. Number one, it, it sends a message that discipleship is just kind of a set season of time. And then once you get done with that, then you're done with discipleship. But one of our key sayings is discipleship is a lifetime process of learning, growing and changing to be more like Jesus. And so, so it does that. The other thing is, is it, it, it's built on this notion that if we just give people more information, then they'll, they'll believe that that'll, that'll, that'll bridge the gap between belief and behavior is just more information. But what we're finding is that's, that's not the case. And this is why you get people that sit in a church pew for their whole lives. They can sit in an apostolic church pew and not believe the message um, because information alone does not produce behavior. And so what, what does produce behavior? When you allow Jesus, you know, what does the Bible say? Out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Guard your heart because out of it flow all the issues of life. And so the process of moving people out of this consumeristic membership uh, position into being mobilized into the world requires the process of us being the disciple. And uh, I had an interesting experience. We, we, my brother and I, uh, God has opened up some amazing doors. Uh, we got invited to a meeting with uh, the largest, fastest growing pastors in America. There's about 30 of us in this room. And uh, they spent literally probably two, three hours debating on the definition of a disciple. And so, so we really kind of talked about this and we just, we settled on this definition. It's a disciple is somebody who's willing to let Jesus change what you care about to match and reflect what he cares about. And so the process has to begin of, of allowing Jesus to change our hearts so that what's most important to him becomes most important to us. That we, as the disciples of Jesus, allow him to change our hearts and change us first. We're not going to transform our world if we're not personally being transformed. And, and I'm telling you, man, I'm really passionate about this because I see a lot of people sitting on church pews, having great services, and they're not moved anymore by that. And and I think a lot of it is because, because of this consumeristic mentality. And so, so, uh, we, we begin to walk people through this journey and this process of what it means to really be a disciple, what it means to really let Jesus change what you care about. And then as you, as you do that, what's most important to Jesus is reaching the world for God. So love the world. He gave his only begotten son, right? We know all of the scriptures, the great, the great commission, all of those things. We know all that. And most of our people that are in, in church, uh, if you have the spirit of Jesus, you have a missional spirit. And so most people feel that they just don't know what to do with it. 
um, you know, when I evangelized, I would, I would do uh, training sessions on how to teach Bible studies. I, I've taught Bible studies for years. And, you know, I'd always ask, like, why do you think most people don't teach Bible studies? And, and most of them, it was because they were afraid. They were scared. They didn't feel like they knew enough or somebody was going to ask a question they didn't know. They wanted to. They just were kind of paralyzed by fear. And so as we begin to change what we care about to match and, and reflect what he cares about, then all of a sudden we recognize and realize that we've made our world the center of our universe when in the kingdom of God, it's about my neighbors, my coworkers, uh, people around me, my family members, um, that that's what's most important to him. And so this mobilization piece is us getting us into our world. I honestly believe this, bro. I really do. I believe this so strongly that our biggest issue is not people necessarily living on mission. It's that we've become so isolated from the rest of the world. Our isol- our separation has become isolation. And so um, when we first started this culture in our church, building this culture in our church, I brought in a group of 11 people and we started started kind of walking through this journey together about what it means to be a disciple that makes disciples. And we came to the realization that out of those 11 people, not one person in that room had a real deep, meaningful relationship with somebody outside the church. You know, the, the, the Greek word is oikos, the sphere of influence. The longer you're in church, the more that sphere of influence starts to shrink. And so, so we try to reach people from arm's length distance. We try to share with them the message of the gospel without being in their lives, without building relationships. Um, Real quick, I'll just tell you a story that I used to kind of illustrate this point. A few years ago, I had a lady meet me after I got done preaching. She'd never been there before. And she she, uh, stopped me in the middle of the aisle and she said, hey, I've got a word for you. And I said, okay. And I mean, bro, she started just going in on me on... Uh, how horrible of a pastor I was and I was mistreating the people and I was I mean she just went on and on and on and had one of my ushers standing there he's about ready to put her in a headlock and just escort her out the door and uh, so I just she got done I said okay is that all and she said yep that's it and I said okay thanks for coming and I walked out the door and God's honest truth I never thought of it again I, I couldn't tell you exactly what she said now compare that to my father-in-law, who's my pastor, if he met me in the aisle and said, listen, son, we got some issues we need to deal with. We got some, we got some things I'm really concerned about. And he started going through the things that he felt like I was doing wrong. I would immediately turn around and run to that altar, follow my face and repent. What's the difference? The difference is relationship. That's the key. That's, that is one of the missing components that I think that we've had is we've not learned, we've not developed the ability to learn how to build relationships with people that are not like us, that are not, not in the church. And so what we learned was before we can really be missionaries, we've got to get mobilized. And so, so our language is that, that we want to we need, we don't want people to live on mission, <clears throat> excuse me, every day where they live, where they work and where they play the key spaces of life. And so start building and developing those relationships. And we call that mobilization. And then as, as people get mobilized and as they live as disciples, they'll experience transformation in their own life. And so there's a great book. I highly recommend uh, a book 
uh, called um, Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstel. Uh, it actually has two books, one Saturate and the other's Gospel Fluency. Uh, but the essence of the book is that if we if we can get saturated with the transformation of his spirit and his word, then those things naturally begin uh, to flow out of us. And I think a lot of times when we view it through kind of an evangelistic lens, we look at it through kind of a script. What am I supposed to say? When am I supposed to say it? How am I supposed to say it? And it, it just kind of, again, paralyzes people. But if we get people experiencing the transformation of Jesus in their own lives, then they will, they'll naturally articulate the value system of the kingdom in those places where they have relationship. And so we, we, we walk people through this process about how to have spiritual conversations. There's three levels of conversation. There's a good conversation, which is uh, just, you know, basic things of life, you know, common interests, sports, uh, motorcycles, guns, whatever. There's crucial conversations where you start talking about key issues of life. And then there are God conversations where a person begins to open up about struggles and challenges and things that they're dealing with that need God in their lives. And what determines the level of conversation is the depth of that relationship. And so, again, teach people to have those relationships and identify where God is working on in a person's life. And so this, the, so you got membership to mobilization. Then the next step is for mobilization to missionaries. So mobilization is getting us into our world. Missionaries is getting Jesus into that world that we're now embedded in. And as we have these spiritual conversations, we identify who the spirit is working on, uh, who he's drawing, places of tension in people's lives. And, and the term that we use is you identify disciplability. How disciplable is that person? You know, they may be, they may be a million miles away from Jesus, but they're disciplable. They're God's working on their heart. And so the, the third step, or I'm sorry, the next step is going from missionaries to multiplication. And so we, we, we developed a culture of learning how to be a missionary that identifies disciplability and then can develop a discipleship relationship that uh, leads to that, that disciple becoming transformed by the power of the gospel. And so then our vision and, and, and what we're seeing play out is we've got a couple of examples uh, right now that that out of that missional overflow, uh, then we'll launch, uh, we call them missions. They might be church plants. Uh, and the reason we call them missions is because we believe in conventional and non-conventional church planning. And so it may not look like, for example, right now we have a church plant uh, in a motel. Um, God opened up a door. It's a it's a nights in motel. It's primarily families living in transition, dealing with addictions and habits, a lot of poverty. And God has opened an, an amazing door there. We've we've seen uh, Him do some tremendous things. Uh, the first the first few months we were there, we had about six or seven people that we had gotten connected with that died of overdoses in the motel. And uh, we went and just just started loving on people started identifying who is discipleable, started making disciples. And uh, actually the mayor and the police chief came out and uh, uh, wanted to thank us because uh, from the time we were there, the number of calls that they had to come out there had significantly decreased and there hadn't been an overdose. I think it was like three or four months, which was, you know, un unheard of at that place. And so, so, so again, the, the, the map to multiplication is moving people from membership to mobilization, mobilization to missionary, missionary to multiplication. And um, 
I, I genuinely believe, man, I believe this apostolic message. I believe that this is the hour for revival. I believe this, you know, we, we, there, there were some statistics. My brother and I talked about it on our podcast today. There, there are some statistics uh, in Australia that they're, they're now, the new, new numbers uh, show that in Australia, the number of people that identify as Christians is under 50%. It's 44%. And the number of people that identify as atheists or, or unbeliever, no God, uh, is, I think it was 39%. And so, you know, that it, this is this is a trend that's happening around the world. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are kind of looking at our world and saying, well, there's no, you know, there's no hope. People don't want to come to church. They don't want to come to church services. And what we're saying is, you know what? It, that's, that's not how you accomplish the mission is by getting them to come to you. That's not what Jesus did. It's by going to them. And, uh, you know, so, so we're on a mission, man, we're on a mission here in Toledo to create a multiplication engine that launches missions in Toledo Metro in Metro cities. I have a tremendous burden for Metro cities in the U S I think it is the greatest, uh, uh, greatest mission field in America is our urban areas. There, there's, I mean, most people are not going there to start a church. It's hard work, but man, I mean, just masses of people that are that are hungry and desperate and open. And so we have a we have a burden to reach those areas, and then and then of course send missionaries around the world. And my statement to our leaders, uh, those that maybe feel some kind of a calling in a ministry, is, you know, if I if I teach you to preach. You might be able to build a, a church, you know, if you're a good enough preacher, you might be able to do that or administrator or whatever. But if I can teach you to be a multiplying disciple maker, you, we can literally send you anywhere in the world, urban, rural, global, uh, whatever. And if you're, if you know how to make disciples the biblical way, then you can build, you can, you can, you can, uh, uh, launch a mission that launches other missions to reach our world. And so our vision here at Toledo is, you know, I told our church, uh, if, if we reach mega church status, we've done something wrong because mega churches aren't reaching. They're not reaching the world. If you, if you read their own statistics, Lifeway research, um, and there was another group, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but there was another group that did a research about megachurches. 90% of megachurch growth comes from church transfers. This is their own numbers. And so they're not reaching the world. And so we're not going to reach the world by, by a gathering center. We're going to reach the world by being a sending center. But in order to do that effectively, the church has to have a multiplication engine to be able to, to be, be that sending center. So uh, that's, that's our heartbeat. I, again, I kind of rushed through that, um, but, but hopefully people kind of caught the burden and the passion here. Uh, you know, we, we want to help people. You know, we do, my brother and I started something called the Dillingham group, not to, we've prayed and said, God, we, we don't want to have a kind of revival that we can take credit for. All we're trying to do is just share with pastors, our experiences and the lessons that we've learned on this journey and kind of help coach them through that. Right now we have about 15 pastors that we're currently coaching through this process. Um, and so we, we started on this journey and, you know, uh, there is a movement. I'm telling you, there is a massive movement that's happening uh, among our churches and our pastors and our leaders that are saying, you know what, we're racing the rapture. 
Jesus is coming soon, and we've got a lost, broken, desperate, hurting world that needs to hear the apostolic message. They need the gospel. We just got to get to them. And so that's that's our heartbeat, man. That's our mission. Wow. And you you brought out a, a I mean a ton of great points um, about what discipleship is and yeah. and how we can truly achieve biblical discipleship. I mean I mean we could we could go right into it. You know, we could talk about how Jesus, you know, he he did. He went out and told them you know, he, he helped them. He did things for them. He performed miracles. And then he said, well, Absolutely. follow me. He Absolutely, man. And, 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 you know, so for us, how, you know, a lot of times we'll get questions from pastors about how do you change the culture? And I, I, I just so strongly believe in the Jesus model. And, you know, certainly Jesus ministered to the multitudes. You know, he, he certainly reached the multitudes. But most of what he did is he spent the majority of his time with 12 guys right? and poured into them the value system of the kingdom. And then he would say, he would say, okay, watch what I'm doing. And then, and then he would send them out. Now you guys go do it and then come back and we'll talk about it. And so, you know, uh, church of church of 400 here in Toledo, how do you kind of change this culture from, from kind of this, this attractional model membership culture into multiplying disciple makers? And, and, you know, we don't, we don't try to go in and change everybody at once. We just brought in a small group of people, started pouring into them. They caught a hold of the vision. They started engaging in it and, and living it out. Other people started watching it. And, you know, we're now six years in the process. And I, I can tell you that our church culture has radically transformed into that where, you know, our people uh, recognize, like, you, like you're talking about, our responsibility as a believer of Jesus is to go to go to where they're at, to reach them where they are, and to identify how discipleable they are, take the power of the Holy Ghost. We've seen miracles, bro. Man, we've had, we've had testimonies of cancers being healed in Kroger. Um, I mean, just amazing, amazing testimonies. It's, and this is why, again, our, our podcast is called the Mobilized Church Podcast. Mobilization is so critical because I, I firmly believe that people have it in them. We're just not mobilized. If they get out there and, and we train them and, and, and do the Jesus model where we bring them in and pour into them, our people will go do it. They'll get into their community. They'll get into their neighborhood. They'll get into their you know place of employment and start engaging with people. And when that happens, man, sky's the limit. Amen. I, it is so important that anybody that is listening today or even tomorrow or whenever they might be listening, that we as the people of God get a hold of this, this critical you know this this critical part of being apostolic you know the, the the podcast is called apostolic theory and what we do is we just we dig deep into the word of god and we find things that can encourage equip and empower the church in the time the days that we're living in and and it's so important it's so important that we are reaching 
And that's not just going, you know, to the to your local grocery store and handing out a church card. That's part of it. But it's like you said, you know, how many times do you see that same grocer, you know, at your local grocery store and all you ever did was say hi and the only thing they ever remember is you handing them a church card. You know, it's like develop those develop those things and those encounters into relationships. I actually um at the beginning of the well yeah at the beginning of the year uh i'm in maine so we get a lot of snow uh i was driving um and i i think my wife just asked me to go get her some ice cream and so she was pregnant at the time and i said absolutely whatever you want so i'm driving i'm driving (laughs) smart man i'm I'm driving i'm driving about 30 minutes out of the way uh, in the middle of the night to pick up some ice cream for my wife. Well, on the way there, I drove past, and and this is important too, is being led by the Spirit. Um, you know, seeking for those people that you can disciple because God, the Bible says that the Spirit draws all men. So if the Spirit was already drawing the people that we're connecting with. It's just it's just going to sort of go together. It's just going to click together perfectly. So as I'm driving, I see this young man, um, young African-American man walking. And, um, you know, I could just be like most people and say, well, lock my doors, make sure I don't park any, you know. But that's just not the way God wants us as as the people of God to operate. And so, right. and I felt, I just, I, and, and turn around. I drove past him, and I just, I heard the voice of God say, turn around. And I said, wait a minute, hold up. You want me to turn around? Why? He said, you need to pick him up. I said, okay. Turned my vehicle around, drove by him again, honked my horn, pulled over, and I, I called him over, and he seemed a bit hesitant at first, which is, you know, that's funny. But so yeah, he, absolutely. So he comes over, and I said, hey, look. Um, do you need a ride somewhere? And he said, he said, no, I'm fine. I, I like walking. I said, are you sure? I said, listen, I'm going right up the road here to Walmart. He goes, I'm going to Walmart too. And I said, okay, well just hop in. I'll give you a ride to Walmart. And if you don't, if you want, be totally fine. I can, I'm going right there and I'm going to drive back this way. I could take, is your house right by where I, where I saw you? And he said, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I took him to Walmart. He, he got the things that he needed in Walmart. And the whole time, a God connection. We're just talking. I'm just telling him about wow. the goodness of the Lord, you know. And, and, and yeah. God will orchestrate things just like that. If we would be sensitive enough to get, out of our, to get out of our own way and out of our comfort zones, you know. And that's why a lot of people, I think, struggle with, you know, Bible, giving Bible studies and, 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 you know, connecting with people that aren't, in their immediate friend circle is, is, you know, it's because they're in this sort of comfort zone and it's difficult for them to get out of that. But if we're being led by the spirit and the spirit draws all men to, to God and the spirits in us, so God's always with us, right? So we should, we should be able 
to connect with the people that have that hunger and that desire for God. And I think that that's why you're seeing that culture change and that growth and in, in the, the things that you're seeing. I would like to see that in every apostolic Pentecostal church in the world. Man, 100%. And, and, and what we found is this, is when, when people embrace, and this is something that, that has been kind of a, kind of a candy stick for mine has been, you know, that our primary calling, we've been a culture that has promoted secondary calling so much. And, you know, you, you, you go to camps, you know, how many of you are called to preach? And, and those, it's great. I'm thankful for that. But our primary calling of every spirit filled believer is to go and make disciples. That's our primary calling. And what we found is this, is that when people embrace that and truly get mobilized and start living on mission, they start building relationships with their neighbors, with their coworkers, family members, friends. Uh, they start building those meaningful relationships. What we found is if you'll do what you can do, God will do what only he can do. Wow. And and opens up amazing doors, man. I mean, you know, I can tell you stories. I've 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 discipled many people, and I've I just man, I, I got a hold of this. It was like just life changing for me. So I was really all in it. And I was in my office one day, and I, I they make fun of me here because I actually have my own plaque on the wall at our local barbecue place, City Barbecue. I've got my plaque. It says number one fan, Pastor Dillingham. I call it my daughter work. Uh, cause I don't drink coffee. So I go to this barbecue place and drink sweet tea and just do a little work there or whatever. So I've built relationships with all the people in there. They call me pastor, um, all those kinds of things. But I was, I was in my office one day and all of a sudden, man, you know, I've been, I've been making disciples in discipleship relationships and the spirit of God spoke to me and said, go to city barbecue. And I'm like, yay, Lord, here am I, send me, I'll go, I'll, I'll sacrifice and go to city barbecue. <laughs> So I went and I walked in, stood there and just kind of was looking around, didn't see anything. And this guy was in front of me, took his order. And I really felt like that I was supposed to engage him somehow. But he was talking, he grabbed his order, he walked out. And I was like, man, it's really weird. I thought that was the guy. And about three minutes later, I, I look around and he's coming in the door and he walks up and stands right next to me. And I said, <laughs> man, bro, I thought you, I thought you already ate finish that off and ready for more or what's going on and he said no man i just i just forgot something and blah 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 blah, whatever and so we started talking i just just started up a little casual conversation and he was sitting there waiting i said man tell me your story where are you from you from around here and whatever and he said yeah i'm from around here and and all of a sudden man something something just came over him and he just started telling me about his wife had just left him. He was going through a horrible divorce, uh, was, was, you know, was struggling to find a place to live, uh, missing his kids. I mean, just started going through all of this stuff that he was going through. And I mean, right there in City Barbecue, the guy's weeping. I mean, big old strong dude, bawling his eyes out. And I just looked at him and I said, well, let me just tell you something. I said, I was in my office today and the Lord told me to come. And I said, and I know why you're the reason why he told me to come because he wants you to know he knows where you are and he wants you to know how much he loves you. And man, I mean, we had a moment of prayer there, right there in the line at City Barbecue. God started moving on him. And and so again, what I what I my, my point of all of that is simply to say, man, we if if that is our only strategy, 
we're going to be really disappointed because it does that doesn't happen every day. I don't get that experience every day. But if I live on mission every day yeah. and do what I can do every day, then God will connect us with those kinds of opportunities. What you're talking about, spirit led, just just those moments. And it's because it's it's a mindset shift, right? It's an attitude change that gets in us. And and people, I know they want these kinds of experiences. I know they want their own stories. And if you live on mission, God will give you your own stories. Wow. Praise God. I love it. I just love it. And I don't think that, I just don't think it's talked about enough in, in, in this, in, in this type of, in this type of setting, like around, around dinner tables and, and at, and, and at breakout sessions at, at conferences and, and hey, hey, let me just tell you something. I don't mean to interrupt you, but God's moving, bro. I'm telling you, there is a movement. I agree a hundred percent. And that's why my brother and I started doing what we were doing because we're like, man, we're not the experts. We don't know everything, but we need to be talking about this stuff. Right. Yeah. So we started this podcast and in July, um, there is a conference in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It was a replacement for youth Congress, uh, last year. And so they're just continuing it. And, um, so they asked me to be a part of the committee for that. And then this committee meeting, they do these breakout sessions in the morning, or, uh, I'm sorry, like a, like a forum discussion for the morning session. And they got to talking and I didn't even, I didn't, I wasn't obviously going to promote myself or whatever, but at Great Lakes Youth Convention, uh, July 27th through the 29th in Fort Wayne, Indiana, my brother and I, they've given us, I think it's an hour and a half. Thursday morning and Friday morning to talk to the next generation about being disciple makers, about how to reach our world, about how to transform the next generation. So uh, you're right there. I think, I think if we can talk about it, if we can get the word out, I think people are hungry for it. They just don't know what to do or where to go. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as we're coming to a close uh, from this incredible Absolutely incredible, spirit-led conversation. Somebody's listened this far to the episode. What is one thing that you want the the person who has listened this far to walk away from this episode with? What I would say is the first place you got to start is, and this is going to sound, people are going to think, really, this is what you're going to, but I'm telling you, this is the secret sauce (laughs) right here. And that is, you got to start with personally re-engaging as a disciple of Jesus to be the disciple. I am convinced that if we if we'll get back to genuinely being a disciple every single day and let Jesus change places in our hearts, you know, look, most people that are listening to this podcast, they're not smoking crack, they're not drinking Budweiser, they're not partying and carousing, they're not, you know, they're not living all of these big sins. But there are people listening to this podcast that have fear, that have anxiety, that battle depression, that, you know, question whatever. I mean, all kinds of things, living with doubts in their minds. Those are places that God needs to transform in us. And I'm here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced that if a person will be the disciple, Jesus said, the spirit of truth will come. And when he comes, he will lead you into all truth. If we can get people to living every day 
where they're influenced by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit. So what we teach people is get in the word. If you're, if you're battling anxiety, just Google scriptures about anxiety and ask God to speak to you through his word and through his spirit and watch God begin to transform those places. Because think about this. Remember when God transformed you the first time? Coming, I, I feel like I have a little bit maybe of an advantage because I wasn't raised in church, but I remember that feeling. And so many people lose that sense because we stop being transformed by his spirit. But until Jesus comes, there are places in my life that are not like him. And I need those places changed. And if I'll experience that, here's what I know will happen. People will be so excited when they get liberated from anger or they get liberated from lust or they get liberated from anxiety that you you'll, you can't shut them up. You won't be able to, 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 to stop them from talking about the goodness of God, about the things of God. So my challenge to them is start with getting back to being the disciple. What places in your life do you need Jesus to change in you that don't reflect the value system of the kingdom today? If you do that... I believe that the Spirit of God will do the rest. So, you you talked a little bit about fear and 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 disciple making. Think about this for a second. Think about Jesus has been crucified. He's dead in a grave. A few people have seen him risen, but not all the disciples. Yeah, not all the disciples have seen Jesus walking. And living. And right. there's a moment where Jesus shows up, shows himself to them all, and then says, All right, I've already shown you everything you need to do. He doesn't continue to walk with them. He says, All right, see ya. I'm out. And then right. says, Do what I've taught you to do. Think about that. And 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 who knows what kind of what kind of fear and what kind of frustration and what kind of of of, of anxiety and what what kind of uh, doubt that these people had had. Think of Thomas. Think of think of even 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 Peter. Just think about yeah. them and how they they had these doubts. But doubt didn't keep them from doing what God, what Jesus had told them to do. They turned their known world upside down, bro. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. That's it. Why? Because they had a missional spirit inside of them. Yeah. Right? Right. And, and you know, we know that, that Jerusalem be, kind of came the gathering center. God had to send persecution to Jerusalem to get them out. Antioch became the centerpiece. Shouldn't have been, but it became the centerpiece of the new of the book of acts church because it became the sending center that launched missions you know around the world uh so so you know i'm a hundred percent man the fear the doubt a lot of questions i'm sure they they questioned their ability to do what jesus did but what did they do they come out of the upper room and they immediately basically imitate the ministry of jesus when they said to the the man at the gate, beautiful, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus, right? That was basically yeah. an imitation of how Jesus raised the lame. And so they were imitating that. That's that's what we're called to do. That, you know, pour, let the spirit of God pour into us and let us as disciple makers model to others 
that you do this and then go send them out to go do it. And I think one of the great mistakes that we make is that when you get somebody transformed, you know, they come in from the world or whatever, we tell them, hey, listen, you know, go sit in a class, wait until you really get everything just set and whatever. And what we've said is, no, when you get somebody and God is delivering them from crack or God's delivering them from, you know, alcohol or whatever, as God's transforming them, send them back out to the world. It's the greatest opportunity we have. I'm going to disciple them. I'm going to help him, you know, walk through this journey together. But he can be the connecting point for us to to those people that Jesus desperately wants to reach. And uh, so, yeah, man, I agree 100%. Get people filled with his spirit and watch them go to work and change their world. Amen. Well, Brother Dillingham, this, is, this has been truly a blessing. This is, this is, this is good stuff. And it's, it's fundamental uh, and maybe even elementary. And, but it's, it's simple but profound. It's, it's, it's what we need to do as the church. So thank you so much, bro, for sharing your heart with us. I appreciate it. Well, man, I really appreciate the invitation. And I'll just, real quick, if you don't mind, I'll just leave. If people want more information, they can check us out, uh, thedillinghamgroup.org. Um, they can check us out on Facebook. If they go to our Facebook page, the Dillingham Group, um, there is a link tree link. And for pastors, we have a multiplication assessment that you can fill out. And you fill that out, and we'll send you back a customized report that will show you your multiplication potential based on what you're doing and, you know, have a conversation with you about how to maximize uh, the potential of that. So all that information is available on uh, Facebook, our link tree uh, link there. So we would love to connect with as many people as possible. I really appreciate you having me on, man. Appreciate what you're doing. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.